0: All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 15 through 20. Matthew seven fifteen through 20. Hey, um, have you ever heard the, the old saying, you never get a second chance to make a what? first impression, right? We think about first impressions all the time. What is first impression all about? First impression is about a look that we have or a mannerism or a demeanor that we have as we go out and we greet somebody else or meet somebody for the first time, all right? Or when we have an opportunity for the first time in our job place or whatever we're doing to do something that no one else has ever seen us done before. Why are they so important? They're so important because it's right. You never get a second chance to do that. But I will tell you this, we make a lot of character, depth-type decisions off of people. And that is wrong. And the reason that that is wrong is because that's not the way that God sees things. So sometimes when people come up and they make a good first impression on us, they may look good, they may sound good, it may all look like it's all fine and dandy on the outside. That's not always the way it is. If you remember correctly, in the, back in the Old Testament, the first king that the nation of Israel chose for themselves was who? Does anybody remember who that was? Saul. Why did they choose Saul? Does anybody remember why they chose Saul? Big, handsome. He was uh, that. Said basically head and shoulders above everybody else. So he was this tall. He had this demeanor about him, and then he looked really, really good. Have you ever voted for a candidate because they look good? They look better than the other person. Come on, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? They just look funny. I just don't think I'm going to vote for them. You know. And look, this is the way we make decisions, and we make references off of this. This whole nation chose their king. God had told them they didn't need a king. They said, we want a king. This is what we want and desire. God says, okay, you go choose. They looked at everybody, and then they chose this guy. But what was the problem with King Saul? He was flawed on the inside, okay? And so this scripture today and what we've learned already through the uh, Sermon on the Mount tells us over and over and over again that we need to see things differently, Scripture says that you and I have eyes to see and ears to hear. We have eyes to see and we have ears to hear. The rest of the world does not see and hear what we need to see and hear. Because we are using something different. We're using everything to go through a filter of what God's Word tells us. So when we see things and when we hear things, they need to run through the filter of what God has told us through His Word. So all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been talking about character, character, character. He's been talking about these things which we need to have on the inside of our lives and that those things need to be seen by those who are out there. So now we're in this chapter 7 and we're finishing up his Sermon on the Mountain. He says this to us. He said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistle, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. This is said twice. So, what is God's standard that He's trying to tell us and teach us through today's message? Is that you will be known by your fruits. You and I will be known by our fruit. What does that fruit look like? What does is, what is God's word say is fruit? That's what we're going to go through today in today's message. What the world sees as fruit is not the same thing that God sees as fruit. What the world sees as productive or something that, that, it, that looks good, sounds good, or tastes good is not always what God sees as something that looks good, sounds good, and tastes good. So we need to, to make our life decisions and our impressions need to be about what God's word tells us to do. And we need to see people that way and we need to live our life that way. Now here's the deal. The world is going to come at us in what kind of clothing? Sheep's clothing. Meaning they are trying to what? look exactly like us. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment, because we've talked a lot about this over the last few weeks and months. The church looks like the world today. You can't tell us apart. There's nothing that distinguishes us in our looks about people than, than different than people that are lost. We dress the same. We want our children involved in the same things. We want to to be liked by everybody else, just like everybody else in the world wants to be liked by everybody else. We don't do anything to separate ourselves or cause ourselves to stand out. Because in today's culture, that'll get you pointed out. And when you get pointed out in culture, I mean, that can go viral, can't it? I mean, all kinds of stuff can be put on the Internet or something. Next thing you know, all kinds of people are mad at you and saying all kinds of stuff. So we need to be careful, right? No, we have to step up and step out. That's what God has called us to do. That's our challenge. Our challenge is to live the life that God has called us to live in a world that does not accept His vision or values. And so as we live in this world, we cannot compromise what God has said to us, but we have to do it in such a way as that we're not seen as combative, but we're seen as people who live a life that is different from everyone else. But the world is still going to come at us trying to look the same way as people of God. Now, the the Scripture says false prophets, those who are false, are going to come at us in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. So, alright, look, and I, I'm not going to belabor this. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because I'm, I'm not trying to be political or anything in this. Um, but there's, and, and then look, the, the, this is justified. We put ourselves as Christians in cahoots or with a presidential candidate, didn't we? And now that presidential candidate has become president and some of the things that he does that he sees as presidential is in stark contrast with who we are as identity as a people, is it not? So we have thrown our support behind a candidate. Now, look, I will say this: you know, it was a it's a tough deal for us as followers of Christ on either side, uh, you know, in recent history of all presidential elections. To be honest with you, but this is what we do: instead of letting our Who we are as a people of God influence culture to a point where uh, political candidates want to act and be like us. We allow ourselves to hook up with political candidates and then expect them to act and be like us. And they're not doing it. Because why? Inside, on the inside, they're not like us. They're not like us. And so in doing so, what have we done to the cause or to, the, uh, to our faith? We have allowed our faith to be brought down with that person's personality and that person's behavior because we are seen in association with it. Have you, have you ever been guilty just because of the people that you hung out with? I'll tell you a story one time. A little, I was a um, teenager, gone to play golf after, after school. All right. Four of us riding. We'd gone and played an entire round of golf at the pea patch that was in Oconee County. It was this you know, cheap place that we could all go play golf and stuff. So we get drinks and stuff as we're leaving. So every single one of us have these big, long, you know, big, you know, 20 ounce cups of, of Coke or something like this. And so <clears throat> th- this was an old Scout Jeep that we were riding in does anybody remember an old scout jeep so the top was off this old scout jeep we're riding down the road and everything's fine so i'm sitting in in the passenger seat okay guys driving two other guys in the back one of the guys in the back decides to stand up out of the blue and throw his drink at an oncoming car all right now i'm i'm sitting in the passenger seat i'm you know follower of christ and everybody in the car knew it and i was like what are you doing you know what i'm saying it hits the windshield person swerves all this kind of stuff she, it's a lady she gets her car stopped so we're in a jeep scout that thing will not go very fast right so i mean it's like 45 50 miles an hour we're chugging down the road this woman turned around so as we get into the town of watkinsville she catches us and uh, you now this is an uh, adult woman and we're teenagers in, in high school so she pulls her car in front of our car at the red light, cuts us off, gets out of the car and just goes crazy. You know, I mean just just goes, you know, she starts letting us have it. And you know what? She knew us all. So she didn't not only let us have it, she started calling us by name. So guess what I did? I got my coke right here. I hadn't done anything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was, on, I was playing defense from that point. I was in the car with somebody who did something really, really stupid, and I was guilty by what? Association. I was totally guilty. So she knows all of us. She knows our parents, and she's going, I'm going to call y'all's parents tonight, blah, 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 this, and blah, blah, blah. And I just turned and looked at the guy and said, man, you better be apologizing right now. You could have killed this woman. And he could have could have done serious harm to this person's life by doing something stupid and impetuous. And we were guilty because we had put ourselves in the position to be affiliated and associated with that. Here's what we do. We think, because we look at people on the outside and they look like sheep just like us, that we allow them to come into our lives. But in actuality, Through their fruits, we're going to see that they are ravenous wolves. And at that point, we can't continue to hang around those folks. They have got to go. They have got to go. We have to distance ourselves. Why? Because God's standard says that we will know them by their fruits and we will be known by our fruits. We need to learn to see inside out. Inside out. All right, how many of you have ever met somebody from the first time and then turned around and, and they maybe said something in the conversation and it kind of stuck in your ear, stuck in the back of your mind. You're like, hmm, why'd they say that? Or there was just something a little off. Maybe you were sitting there and, and your spider senses from being spider person, you know, man or woman, just kind of tingled. The hair stood up on the back of your, uh, of your neck and you're like, there's just something just not right about this. But yet, you still allowed yourself to be associated with that person over a period of time. Anybody ever had that happen? And then come to find out that they were different than what they were appearing to be. And you knew it all along. And I knew it all along. But yet, we chose to go that direction. We need to see when that, that is God speaking to us. He's given us something that somebody else doesn't have. Let me tell you one other thing, all right? So, uh, church, I was on staff at. God comes as, uh, in lieu of a call, all right? As he comes in lieu of a call, have I told y'all this story before? Uh, if I told you this story, poor, just shake at me so I won't tell it to you again. But um, so he comes in lieu of a call, and as he comes in lieu of a call, he gets up there and stands in front of everybody and he says, God made a mistake. And I was like, oh, buddy, you just made a mistake. Because he's, he's talking about the potter and the clay. The clay was marred, all right. So he's preaching from Jeremiah, and he said God made a mistake. And I'm like, whoa, man, God doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He remolds the the shape. It was sin that marred the clay. What are you talking about here? He said it again in his sermon, the second time. God made a mistake. And at that point, I was like, hmm, what is going? On? So the third time he said it, I'm done. I was sitting in like I'm on staff at this church, and I'm in like the second row, and I'm like, this is crazy. So we vote. He gets four no votes that day. And I went home that day, and I was like, who was listening to that sermon? If, God, if a person of God stands up and, and says that he's a, a pastor of God, a preacher of God's Word, and tells you three times in a sermon that God made a mistake, time out. Something is wrong. But in Luke, we had been without a pastor for three years, and everybody was what? They were tired, man. They wanted a preacher. They're tired of looking for somebody. And this guy stood up in front of everybody and said, God made a mistake three times in his sermon and got four no votes. Four. And me and Tamar talked about it, and we know we were two of them. My mom claimed she was one of them, but I don't know. (laughs) So he gets four no votes. And so, anyway, it goes on. He ends up not coming, and and that was a great thing for me because over the course of it, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to have to do. If, if they bring this guy on staff, I can't serve with that. I'm thinking, I'm going to lose my job. But God took care of all of it, and he took care of it because why? Because when he stood up there, he looked just like me. In God's church, he looked just like me. And he had a title that was just like me, pastor, preacher. But he wasn't speaking what God said, was he? No, he wasn't speaking what the Word said. So why do we still allow that in the church? So what I'm trying to tell you that here on this is it's not just parishioners sitting next to us that are dressed up like sheep but act like wolves. It is sometimes people who are standing before us behind podiums or with microphones calling themselves pastors and preachers that stand up and look like sheep but inwardly are wolves. And we have to be aware of that all the time. See the inside out. Look for the bad fruit. We're looking for that which is tainted, that which is spoiled, that which is rotten, that which is noxious. That's what bad fruit is. So as it says that there's no way that a bad tree can produce good fruit, it's only going to produce bad fruit. Guess what's going to come from those ravenous wolves? Bad fruit is going to come. Now what are the deeds of the flesh that are evident? This is Galatians 5:19 through21. Their immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and the things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not what? They're not going to heaven. So it doesn't matter what we say. Doesn't matter what we say. It's how we live. It's how we live that makes the difference. Words do have meaning. And they are very, very important. But your actions back up everything that comes out of your mouth. And we've already, if you go look in Matthew chapter 12, the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart. So as we have all of this dissension that's within our country right now, through racism, through equality, through everything that we look at, it's because the heart is bad. We see people and we look at their dress and we think, hmm, they look like they're a rowdy person. Or they look like they're a good person and we make a judgment and we make a call. But what we've got to do is we got to spend some time before we jump on that boat and make them our friend or we associate ourselves with them because on the inside, they could be rotten to the core. That's the thing. I thought about doing this today. I thought about going by the grocery store and picking up a piece of fruit for you. It's the thing about an apple at the grocery store, right? Pick up an apple at the grocery store and then get home and cut it open and there's a worm inside of it. Didn't see that, did you? Couldn't see it from the outside. How'd that Joker get in there? He was at the core on the seed. And he was birthed in there. He's been in there from the beginning. That's the same thing with all of us. We we're born into sin god has to save us out of our own sinful condition he did that through the life of christ but see we come at everybody thinking that and i've heard this a lot at mount salo and i've heard this a lot about people in church they're a good person but <laughs> you ever heard that they're a good person i like them a lot but they're a good person and then but but what And I want you to think about that in our own lives. Are people talking about us going, Tim Hunter's a good guy, but? It is the but that I got to worry about, all right? And it is, that's what you and I have to worry about and think about. Not only as we hear about other people and about their lives, but how our life is lived. I want no buts, None. Tim Hunter is a follower of Christ. He ain't perfect, but I don't want no, I don't want a but. But you can't trust him. But he doesn't finish. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. I don't want any butts. None whatsoever. That's what sets us apart. When we start giving in, the deeds of the flesh are evident immorality, impurity, sensuality idolatry, sorcery, enmity strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger look, some of this stuff we accept wholeheartedly somebody's got a temper (sighs) that's okay no it ain't people are always watching and today they're always watching with their camera on their phone on on I was watching the golf tournament last week two weeks ago for the pga and they showed tiger woods on a putt but they were back in the crowd they were about 50 75 feet away from the backside of the crowd and when he went to putt i swear to you there were 500 phones in the air on watching him putt and i'm like oh my gosh That was just a reminder to me of how much people are watching our lives. Not my life in particular on that, something like that. Because if they were trying to watch me putt, that'd be a funny thing, right? But the reality is, is that somebody is looking at us all the time. So outbursts of anger, we can't allow it. Just as much as we look for things like immorality and the things that we look for like idolatry, And the things that we see because somebody's drunk or they're carousing around, we need to be looking at the stuff that's easily hid like jealousy and envy and anger because we've got to flesh out all of these things in our lives because if we don't, we don't get what we think we deserve. The world thinks it can live like it wants and God's going to be okay with sin there's not going to be any judgment in fact it's preached a lot there is no hell or you can get out of hell free after a certain amount of time you know something like that you know there's all kinds of crazy stuff people think you know I may not be a Christian and go to church but those people are all hypocrites anyway so I'll just make it without it and we can excuse our way all that we want to to that but we will not inherit the kingdom of heaven second thing There's verification. So just as much as we look at the inside out and we see the bad fruit, there needs to be verification of who we are. That's the good fruit. That is design authentication. That means something is genuine. That means that there are marks about it that let you know that it is good. Do you know that baptism is a mark of our lives? We were talking about this before, but baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. Why should somebody be baptized? Somebody should be baptized because they're different in the way that they were before, and it was exemplified in Christ. Was Christ sinful before? No, Christ was not, but he gave baptism to us as an example, and we should follow in that. That's what Scripture says. Just as this says, do this in remembrance of me when we do communion, that's what we do with baptism. So there are marks in our lives. In other words, there's a watermark in our life. The watermark in our life is our baptism. doesn't mean that we are saved. It is showing a picture to the world that we are identifying ourselves as a follower of Christ. A watermark. When you pick up a piece of paper that is fine linen paper, good stock, it's always got what when you hold it up to the light? It's got a watermark in it. It's got something that shows you that this is authentic. Somewhere on this right here, probably, there's some kind of manufacturing stamp to show you that this was made by this people on this day in this place. It's a certificate of authenticity. Authenticity. Yeah, yeah, that word. We'll skip on because I'm not not going back the third time. Authenticity. Mm. All right. So... It shows us to have good fruit. It, it brings that authentication to us. It says this in John 15, 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And I've told you guys this before. There are lots of people in the world who take money and they give it away. That's awesome. And it does help people. Can God be in that? Yes. Are they doing that if they're not followers of Christ? Are they getting credit for that from God? Is God deeming them righteous because of that? No. No. He is not they've not chosen to follow him they've not surrendered their life to him but we see that and we go what have you done Tim well I've served in this capacity in this place doing these things over this course of time hoping to prove well what fruit is there well and most times in pastors lives on resumes we talk about buildings and budgets and baptisms and that's what we use to identify us as followers And and fruitful people. But the reality is, are you different because you know me? That's the reality for every single one of us. Are you different because you know me? How are you different? Well, I'm meaner, Tim, because you're rotten. Then that's wrong. Are you closer to God because you've known me? Are you a better follower of Christ? Because you've known me. That's that's how my life is going to be judged on the other side. That's not how my life is judged here, even even in Christendom. And Brother Paul knows this. If we send a resume to somebody uh, for somebody to look at us for a church, they're going to look at what? What has he done? Not how many people's lives has he impacted, but they're going to look at statistically what has he done, numerically. But Jesus says, you will bear much fruit if you remain in the vine. We've just got to stay close to him. Galatians 5, 22 through 24 goes on, this is right after it says the deeds of flesh of evidence. It says this, But the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patient kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who are belonging to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. The passions and desires of Christ should rule our life. When the passions and desires of the world rule our life, then we get ourselves in trouble. So we have to allow those things to all go. This is what verifies our life. This is what makes us who we are. This is what what we leave behind. This is our legacy. Good vines, good trees produce good fruit. So when you're looking at a person who calls themselves a follower of Christ but has true anger issues or gets drunk all the time or is immoral, then their deeds do not match their words. Now somebody can have a mistake, but then there's repentance. The repentance is not just the words that come out of somebody's mouth. It takes time for someone else to be made whole, to be brought back to a place where they can be trusted. The last thing, I'm just calling this the frost warning. This is the warning right here. This should this should make us cold on the inside. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It says that some people cast out demons and perform miracles, but yet they practice lawlessness, and they're not going to get into heaven because they performed a miracle. Why? Because they practiced lawlessness. What are we practicing? What are we showing everybody else that comes in contact with us every day? Are people better off for knowing us? Some of us can look and say, well, these people are better off for knowing us. Why? Or knowing me. Why? Because I tell them what to do all the time. Their life is a mess. You sure, You're darn right I do. I tell them what to do and how to do it, and it's what God says, and I know that they are better off because they know me. And that's okay, if you live that. If you live that. and you've I, I know, it's not I knew, it's a I know. It's just someone pops in my mind. Is someone that if they walked in here and you knew them over a period of time, you'd go, they're a very godly man. But I also know that they struggle with anger issues. And I've met people that worked with them. And they don't see that man the same way I see that man. And I've prayed earnestly for that man. Because he doesn't see it either. It's just anger. When he gets angry, though, words come out of his mouth. Those words are words that don't identify him as a follower of Christ. You see, his lack of being able to control himself speaks more volumes than the words that he tells everybody all the time. We got to make the tree good. The only way the tree is good is to hook it to the vine. We can't produce anything in and of ourselves. It really doesn't matter what anybody else says about me as a minister. What does matter is what God sees. Now, hopefully, they're the same thing. But the reality is, in some cases, they're very, very, very far apart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this day and for who you are and for the fact that our identity is found in you. And Lord, I pray that through everything that we do in our lives, through our actions and our deeds, that along with our words that will speak volumes about the kingdom of heaven about who you are and about what it means to be a follower of Christ and Lord all the noise that's out in the world and all the flash that's out in the world and all the things that people can tell us through the sincerity of their voice about who they are I pray Lord for the reality of their lives that it matches up and if it does those are people that are good trees producing good fruit and Lord I pray that that's who our lives are associated with Lord constantly reaching out into the world to teach and to lead and to God others to you but Father our job is to set the example and I pray that we'll May our hearts speak out of the overflow. May our mouths speak out of the overflow of our hearts, Lord. May you find us to be authentic and genuine. These things are the things that we pray for and ask for in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing. It's a time of decision. Um, A time of invitation, but it's also a time of decision. You've heard the word.